Job chapter 7, verses 3 to 8. Job is considered one of the oldest books in the Bible, perhaps the oldest. It's considered to be as old as the Pentateuch, which is considered to be old as well, those two sections of Scripture. And of course, Job talks about a lot of really relevant events, current events. It's just amazing how practical the book is. He mentions dinosaurs a couple of times, which leads us to believe there were dinosaurs aboard the ark, died off in the region where the, the, the ark rested. And uh, just talks about a lot of things, uh, you know, and one of the things that we find about Job is the problem of depression. And uh, not the Great Depression, but depression. And I have struggled in my life with depression. I get really, really down at times. And so this is always good for me to uh, study this. And I've preached this years ago at another church. But certainly depression is a problem in our society. Uh, depression is, is a condition marked by feelings of worthlessness, rejection, guilt. Sometimes it's psychotic, and sometimes it could be a lifelong psychotic problem or uh, a neurotic situation. There's a lot involved in depression, so it's not all the same, but certainly we do see uh, different things that are helpful in dealing with depression. Job chapter 7, Job chapter 7, and verses 3 through 8. You could imagine Job's feelings after he's lost everything. I I think if I'd lost my kids, I I don't know how I'd cope with that. He lost everything. In Job chapter 7, verse 3, let's stand. I'm sorry. I apologize. You're used to standing, and I sometimes forget. Job 7, 3 through 8. So am I made to possess mouths of vanity, and wearisome nights are are appointed to me. When I lie down, I say, when shall I arise in the night? Be gone. Am I full of tossings to and fro under the dawning of the day? My flesh is clothed with worms and clods of dust. My skin is broken and become loathsome. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Oh, remember that my life is wind. Mine eyes shall be no more. Shall, my eyes shall no more see good. Let's pray. God bless us as we study this topic of depression. And uh, maybe this will be helpful to some who, who s- struggle with depression. I have and others have. Many, many people do. So we pray the words tonight uh, are from you, God. And I just pray you to, to, to just speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Look over to 1 Kings chapter 10. 1 Kings chapter 10. So we read where Job was discouraged. We, we know uh, we would expect that from him. 1 Kings chapter 10. We find here, and you know this story, Elijah, in chapter 10, verse, uh, chapter 19, I apologize. Chapter 19, verse 10, and verse 14, and verse 18. First Kings 19, 10, 14, and 18. In verse 10, and he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Verse 14. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, same thing, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword. And I, even I only, am left, and seek 
my life to take they seek my life to take it away. Verse 18. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, God says, in all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth with hath not which hath not kissed him. So Elijah's saying, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one living right. I don't worship idols. All of Israel's worshiped idols. Our enemies are triumphing over us. And I, I just, I'm really weary of all this. And he's having a pity party. And God intervened and said, you're not alone. There's 7,000 other people that haven't bowed to Baal. Sometimes you think you're alone and you think you're the only one in the ship and rowing by yourself. It's not the case. Others struggle as well. We're going to two more passages. Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, verses 14 and 15. And this is interesting. Moses, you think of Moses, the great leader, but we know that he struggled as well. Numbers 11, 14 and 15. Moses says, I am not able to bear all this people alone because it's too heavy for me. And if I deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee. Out of hand, I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. I mean, he just can't handle the load. He's overwhelmed. Look to Psalm chapter 6. Psalm chapter 6. And then we'll go to Psalm chapter 45. Or 42. Hold on. Let's get to chapter 6 before I mess you up more. Psalm chapter 6. In verses 6 and 7. Here's a psalm of David. He says, I am angry with my groaning all the night. Make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all my enemies. Look over at chapter 31, Job 31. We'll begin to talk about depression in a moment. We're going to look at some more passages. Job chapter 31, verses 9 and 10. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief and my tears with sighing. My strength falleth because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. Again, David's writing this song or psalm. Then we go to chapter 42, verse 5. You don't need to go there. Let me just say to you, it says there, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? We're going to go to Jeremiah, our last passage. We'll go to a couple in the New Testament later. But Jeremiah chapter 20. Jeremiah chapter 20. Verses 14 to 18. A lot of scripture this evening, but I want you to see the foundation is clear in scripture. They had problems with discouragement and depression. Verse 14, cursed be the day wherein I was born, Jeremiah says. Let not the day wherein my mother bare me be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought tidings to my father, saying, A man child is born with thee, making him very glad. And let that man be as the cities which the Lord overthrew, and repented not. And let him hear the crying in the morning and the shouting at noontime. Because he slew me not from the womb, or that my mother might have been my grave, and her womb to always be great with me. Wherein? Wherefore came I forth out of the womb to see labor and sorrow that my days should be consumed with shame. All these great people we think of, Elijah and Moses and David and Jeremiah, all, you read it, it's almost like they were suicidal. What is going on here? Cursed is the day I was born. It's gotten so bad. 
And there's different reasons for all of them feeling that way. Jeremiah writes a complete book called Lamentations, to lament, to weep, to sob, because Jerusalem had fallen. There's a little hope in the middle of that book, in the, in the middle of that book, where it says, great is thy faithfulness. And that's how Jeremiah could get through it, realizing God's faithful. It's going to get better. And of course, he lived to see a lot of tragedy, but also some good. But, you know, here are great men of God struggling like this. Struggling. And uh, there are plenty in Scripture, six, I believe six people in Scripture who committed suicide. So it's a common problem. It's been a problem since creation in the fall. People have struggled with depression and so forth. Now, here are some symptoms. If you want to know if someone's depressed or if you're depressed, I'm going to read you a dozen symptoms of depression. Number one, self-centeredness. Normally, people who are depressed aren't concerned for others. Eating disorders, anorexia, bulimia, gorging, that is a problem. That's the average Baptist fellowship, seems like, but seriously, the gorging part. But these are signs of depression, an unkept appearance. Remember what David said? You know, he's just, you know, there's, I'm filthy. He said, my clothes are full of mud, and I'm paraphrasing that. It's a sign of someone who's given up. Inconsistent sleeping patterns, either too much or too little sleep, maybe insomnia, another sign. Insecurity, uh, people who think people are always criticizing them. Hypochondria, always thinking they're sick. Lack of joy, gloomy even during good times, like Eeyore, you know. I mean, it can be Christmas morning, and, and there are people who are just filled with gloom. Lazy, lack of motivation, lethargy, no energy. Anxiety or worry. Withdrawal, loneliness, and isolation. Hostility, people resent other people's happiness. And self-blame. All those are symptoms of depression. And if you have some of those or any of those, you just got to be on guard because you could be diving down into, into depression. And if you know anyone else who's struggling like that, you might want to reach out and help them. Because it is a common, a reoccurring problem. Yeah, and I, I guess I've taken uh, 30 or 40 psychology classes. You know, all the things I've studied, one of the worst in the Christian realm is depression. It really is. People really get down. The results of depression, I'm going to give you four. Number one, a bad testimony. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? I, I'm going to spell it out right now to just so you understand. Depression is sin. When I get depressed, I'm sinning. Sometimes during the week, I'll cry two or three times. And that's sinful because crying's not sinful. But thinking about the negative of, of things and not seeing the good and the positive, it's a struggle for me and it's a struggle for anyone. Second of all, uh, results of missed opportunities. People who are always depressed miss opportunities. Third, illness, and finally, death. Many people commit suicide. Sadly, during the pandemic, many committed suicide. Uh, many teenagers have left this world early because of depression, not knowing how to cope, and uh, taking their own life. Uh, and I was reading an interesting fact. I think it's 70% of people commit suicide. Those who commit suicide, 70% are on gloomy, dreary, dark, rainy days. On a sunny day, it's, there's proof that people are a little more optimistic and cheerful. That's an interesting fact. Causes of depression. 
And there are many here. I'm going to list 12 again, and we're going to look at some scripture in a moment. Causes. Present relationship with God is not what it should be. There you go. Now, now you know where it all begins. Your relationship with God isn't what it should be. And that's what always drives me to my knees when I get down. I think, all right, I got to get, get, get on my knees right now. And uh, sometimes I'm in my office, sometimes I'm at home, and I'm getting discouraged and thinking about things. And, and I just have to just drop on my knees and say, God, forgive me. I'm a pessimist, I'm negative, I'm looking at things from a bad perspective, I'm doing the wrong thing, help me with this. Now I have uh, a, a great father-in-law, and I had a great, wonderful, my grandmother was a wonderful person. Those are two people I've known in my life that told me not one day in their life were they ever depressed. My father-in-law is what's called a sanguine. Just happy-go-lucky all the time, never depressed. And uh, that's a great thing. My grandmother never got depressed. She was always up. And when I was in college struggling to call my grandmother, I'd hang up that phone. I felt like I was on cloud nine because she was one of those great ladies that just lifted me up. And so I'm thankful for that. Um, Causes, as we said, present relationship with God. Second of all, past relationship with family wasn't what it should have been. Believe it or not, many, many, many people are depressed because they had a bad relationship with a mother or a father, maybe even an ex-spouse. And that can lead to depression. Temperament also is part of this. The melancholy temperament. I'm part melancholy and part cleric. Randy Hedrick thought I was sanguine because I'm happy. I said, no, I I work really hard in prayer to put myself in a good mood. Because if not, I'm a negative guy. Uh, You know, well, that's lousy. This sound system and the roof leaks. You know, I I have to guard that and watch that in my own life because I can be that way. Randy had thought I, I said no, I'm not. But temperament. Greek, a great a Greek physician, Hippocrates, in the fourth century classified four temperament types. One of those four is the melancholy. Tim LaHaye picked up on that study and wrote a little practical book, The Spirit Controlled Temperament, and it gives the four temperaments. Uh, the melancholy is the one who gets depressed. The phlegmatic is the guy who's just a perfectionist in all areas. And they had the most difficult personality to, to, to work with. The sanguines, the happy-go-lucky, oh, you want to shoot the sanguines sometimes because, I mean, they're always, ah, ah. And, and that is a great attribute. But, you know, if, if you're not, not in the same mood, you're like, how can this person always be that way? And so the melancholy, sanguine, phlegmatic, and uh, cleric. Cleric's a very organized person. And has to have things really perfectly in order. And uh, they're natural leaders. A cleric can walk into a situation where there's chaos and take over the leadership of that situation. And, and I, I know that's part of what I am. And I have an odd mix of cleric, uh, you know, melancholy. A few years ago, before I came here, I was asked to do a, go to be a jurist at a court case. And there were 24 jurors, which is double of the norm of 12. And we're all just sitting there. We all made a comment or two. And um, <clears throat> they saw something in me, I don't know, because the judge said, all right, we need to choose a foreman. And three people pointed at me. And everyone else said, yeah, he's the foreman. It was interesting. I had made one comment, but they picked up on it. And so I was the foreman of the jury. And I thought, 
this is weird. How did I get appointed this position? And that's happened to me over the years. And so God has used me in that, in that re- regard. But, you know, the negative side of being a cleric is a cleric can run all over people. And so if a cleric's not in prayer, that personality type will run all over people. And I got off the subject because we're just really talking about the melancholy. So melancholy uh, is, is one of the temperaments. Then physical illness is another uh, cause of depression. People who are physically ill, that just naturally gets you down. Bad emotional experiences. You know, the, the soul is the seat of our emotions. You know, all of us have a soul, obviously. And our emotions are vitally important. And you can damage someone's emotions and really cause them great harm. So be careful with those angry words. Because you're going to hurt someone who struggles with depression, but emotional experiences. And then we already said environment, weather, certainly. Uncontrollable problems, and that, of course, is obvious. There are things that creep up on us in life which can cause us to be depressed. Rejection. If you had a parent that rejected you, Um, someone very close to me who struggles all the time with depression. I I knew part of the cause of it just because of my training and counseling, and I just said to him, your dad rejected you, didn't he? And he said, how did you know that? I said, because you're a man, and you're grasping for self-esteem so hard. It's very obvious you need a lot of encouragement from me and other men in your life. That, That can be a result of being rejected constantly by one or two parents. You know, it's so damaging as parents, and I know you all already know this, to say things in a negative way to our kids and grandkids. Just don't be that way. You're never going to amount to anything. You know, I I remember in school, my dad would get angry about my grades. I thought D's were pretty good, but he didn't. Uh, and seriously, he would get on me, and but he would never cross that line of saying, you're not worth anything. But he'd get all over me. He believed I was smarter, and I'm glad, but I had a friend whose dad would tell him he's worthless, he's an idiot. How many of those people end up in jail? So words are very important. So we have to realize that uh, um, we, can, we can be harmed by others' words. Uh, rejection. Disappointment can cause depression. You're expecting some great payday or some great, you know, uh, promotion. You're expecting this or that, and it, it doesn't come through, and all of a sudden you find yourself depressed. And here's another one that's interesting, guilt over sin. Guilt because of your past sin. And folks, you've got to realize the grace of God takes care of our past sin. Sometimes I think back, and I, well, I wished I hadn't done that, and I wished I hadn't done that, and I find myself, even yesterday, I found myself saying, God, forgive me for something that happened 30 years ago. And the Holy Spirit just said to me, don't you understand that it's as far as the east is from the west, and God's forgotten it? Why are you bringing it up to God when he doesn't want to be reminded of it? He's forgotten it. And so we find that guilt over past sin, self-pity, which is also sinful, you know that, feeling sorry for yourself, poor old me. I went through these fast. I can give you these later if you need them. And then finally, another one of the causes is a satanic attack. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And really you have to understand that every time you're depressed, it is a result of spiritual warfare. Satan is causing you to be depressed. We know it's sinful, so what do we do? We have to resist him. Remember, we have to quote scripture. Jesus ran him off by quoting scripture. 
Satan misquoted scripture. Jesus' reply was that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every word in the Bible. Quoting scripture makes him flee, and it'll help you with depression. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. And we've, we've pointed this out during our spiritual warfare uh, study a few months back. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And we went over to several passages. And if you remember, one of the passages, the Greek word meant mind, your brain, your mind. And how Satan has access to put thoughts in. Remember that study? He's constantly putting thoughts in your mind. While if your weakness is lost, guys, he's going to put a picture, which all men struggle somewhat with that, but he's going to put a picture of a, a woman in your mind and, and create an image in your mind for you to lust over. If it's depression, what's he going to do? He's going to tell you you're worthless. You're dumb. You're not pretty. You're not handsome. You're a louse. That's how he operates. He fills our minds with thoughts that aren't accurate, that aren't true. He's a liar and the father of lies. And we have to take the word of God and rebuke him. In Hebrews chapter 4.12, I love that verse. It says, and we're going to go to 1 Peter in a few moments, but in Hebrews 4.12 it says, The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's able to uh, discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And the, the word discern is an interesting word, and I shared this Wednesday. It's a word meaning to criticize. You mean the Holy Spirit criticizes? Absolutely. He doesn't sin, of course, because he's God. But he says to us, you're out of line, buddy. Doesn't he? He criticizes your sinfulness. He says, this is wrong. That's wrong. You're thinking the wrong thought. You're acting the wrong way. He's always speaking to us. And never get to the place in your life where you're quenching the Holy Spirit. When you're ignoring what he says. I pray on a regular basis, God, speak to me, guide me, and show me how to lead this church. You know why? Because without God, I wouldn't know what to do. I don't know. I just, you know, I, I just, Lord, you know, I need you every hour. I need you every day. I, this is your church. I'm just his under-shepherd. I'm not the reason the church is growing. He is. If we follow him, our church is going to do well. When we start to fuss and fight, and I'm so, so, so thankful. I go too fast. For the unity we've had here, and I've been here a year and ten months now, and we've had great unity. And I'll tell you, I, I know many pastors that say, well, my honeymoon ended. I've been there six months, and we're having trouble already. Or a year, and it's over. You know, I've been in ministry many years, and I've never had a church split. I thank God for it. Um, you know, because if, if we follow him, our church will be healthy. Our church will be healthy. And so we have to submit to him and allow, allow the word of God. That's why I tell you to read the word of God. So it will criticize you. It will say, Dan, don't call those brownies rye bread. You knew it was a brownie when you said, I'm eating some rye bread. I'm joking. But I told Frank he had brownies. And I said, I'm going to eat some of this rye bread. And I ate a brownie. And I, I'm joking. But uh, if I weren't joking, we all know I struggle with that. And sometimes the Lord does say to me, the Spirit does say, you know you shouldn't eat that. you got a sugar problem. I got irritated at my wife last week. We had a birthday party for her. My daughter comes over. I bought some ice cream. We had quite a bit left over. 
So I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be a lot left over. I'm going to enjoy ice cream this week. My wife said, Liz, take this ice cream. Your dad doesn't need it. <laughs> and I paid for it. Yeah. You know, and that's, I used myself just to help you to understand I fight the same battles you do. And I use that all the time so you can identify with it. But we all have our weaknesses, okay? Self-control is part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not nine fruit. nine. The fruit of the Spirit is, is ninefold. It's not nine different fruits. It's fruit, not fruits. The fruit of the Spirit. And self-control is one of them. And I wish that weren't in there. But if I'm in the flesh, I'm doing the wrong thing. Now, 1 Peter chapter 5. And you know these verses. I want to be done on time because we have a brief business meeting. And so I, I'm going too fast. 1 Peter chapter 5. And you know these verses. And this is an amazing uh, passage of Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. And you know, you know the verses. Be sober. Now that doesn't mean the opposite of being drunk. This means to be of a sound mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Think straight. Of course, drunkenness is wrong. I'm not saying that. But in this passage, the word means to be of a sound mind. Don't allow everything in your mind. I'm ADD. I've told you that. Which means my attention can go all over the place. I was riding my stationer yesterday. I'm trying to pray. And I couldn't pray. More things were popping in. So you know what I do? I start quoting scripture. You know, I quoted, let this mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus. Gird up the loins of my mind. I quoted my mom's verse, Philippians 4, 8, think on these things. And then I was able to pray. But if, if you're not aware of Satan's attack, be sober-minded. He's, he's, he's putting thoughts in your mind. And then he says, be vigilant. In other words, be on guard. Because your adversary, the devil... As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom may me devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same affliction are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Clearly, we have to be on guard mentally. Be sober-minded. Realize what he's up to. I'll guarantee you today, every person here had a thought they shouldn't have had today. Pastor, how do you know that? Because I know how he works. You know? Maybe it was a thought negative about yourself or negative about your spouse. Maybe, you know, you had a thought, you know, I, I could just throw things out there, but you know what I'm talking about. We have these thoughts that come into our mind. Who places them in our mind? He does. He does. Cures for depression. Well, of course, medicines, so-called therapy and counsel. Um, let me explain to you. A psychologist... That's not a bad thing. The soul is the word psych. We take the word of God, we help the soul. The best psychologist is a born-again man. I wouldn't give you two cents for some secular psychology because it's so far from Scripture. You know, Dr. Phil on one of his shows tells this Christian girl who says, well, I'm living with my boyfriend and I feel so guilty because I was raised in a Christian home. Dr. Phil says, you need to get rid of all those thoughts about Christianity and live your life and enjoy life. And I thought, that's the worst counsel in the world. The Bible says, to avoid fornication, have a wife. <laughs> and that's not quoted exactly, but that's what it says. To avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. And so I was really upset 
but you can't harm him with a TV screen. You can't throw something at the screen. He's not going to feel it. But secular counsel sometimes is terrible. It's terrible. And so, uh, and, and sometimes counselors just want to right away give you medications. Now, there are some good medications. There are some helpful medications. It's amazing sometimes we think medications are good from the neck below, but we don't want to take anything for our mind. But there are drugs that help schizophrenia. There are medicines that can help. So don't just rule out drugs, but that should not be the first resort. We go back to establishing the right relationship with God. That's a big start. If you need medication, that's fine. But the secular answer is always drugs and secular therapy and secular counseling. So I'd give you a million dollars for a Christian counselor. I won't give you two cents for one that doesn't know the Word of God. Because to take the logos and help the psych, you got to know this book. And so we, we don't realize that. All right. Cures. We've already mentioned the, bibli- uh, the secular ones. The biblical cures. Number one, realize depression is sin. Number two, repent. Confess it to God. If you're lost, of course, repentance brings you to salvation. But for a Christian, you confess it. Every time you're depressed, Lord, I'm sorry. I've got a little note on my desk. Depression is believing that God can't fix it. And below it, it's got um, anxiety is believing, oh, I can't think of the anxiety one. But when we're depressed, we don't believe God can solve this problem. We allow it to just fester. We've got to have trust in the Lord and believe that he is able to help us with whatever we're depressed about. Uh, Establish a consistent prayer life and devotional life. Guard your thought life. My mother always quoted Philippians 4.8. I used to get so angry at her. I'd be in a negative or discouraging mood, and she would say, Now, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, you know, uh, what's everything that's true, what's everything's honest, what's everything's are, I see just what things are pure, what things are lovely, what things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And I'd say, shut up, Mom, she didn't hear me say that. My dad would kill me. But that's the way I felt. But when I walked away, that, that scripture would just start working on me. And as a young man, had been a Christian and for a while, and I had to come to the conclusion that Mom was right. Get involved in church. Don't just attend church. Get involved. Even if... It's something very simple. I, I love Ecclesiastes, remember the, my creator in the days of my youth, because as we get older, we can't do much anymore, <laughs> you know? And, you know, we, we see our, our deacons getting older now, and they can't carry the load they used to carry. And age is one of the things that cause us to not be able to get involved. But if you're healthy enough, do something in the church. Just say, Lloyd, can I put the prayer letters on the prayer letter board for you? You know what a job it is for him to put those up, and yet he does a good job of it. Each month, the prayers are takes the old one down and puts the new one up. That's not a lot of work, but it'd be a great help to him. And uh, so get involved, and then put others ahead of yourself. Joy is Jesus, others, and yourself. Your prayer life. When you pray, you should be praying for others first, and yourself last. Choose uplifting music and friends. Music's important. Choose the right music, the right friends. Have an accountability partner. I've always had in my life someone who can call me out and point out something in my life. I love that. One guy's name's John. He's older than I am. 
And when I call him up and I've got this mood or whatever, he'll just say, well, here's the problem. And he'll point out something with me. I hate it, but I love it. Accountability. So important. And your spouse is a real good one who can say to you, you know, your attitude's not very good. You know, I, I, dogs are, you know, I love dogs because they never, ever give any back talk. I mean, if you lock your dog in the trunk and your wife in the trunk and you open the trunk, only one of them is going to be wagging their tail. <laughs> you need to listen to your spouse. And sometimes you think, my wife's nagging me. That's good for you. And vice versa, right? Accountability is so important in the home and even in the church. Having a brother who can say, listen, it's all you talk about. Lloyd and I, Lloyd's doing his therapy. And uh, this guy who does physical therapy, every time I went up there several times this week, the guy talks about his new home he's buying, and he talks about it the whole time. And Lloyd will say, are you going to church? And the guy's still talking about this. I come in. How are you? Good. He said, I'm buying a new house. He's telling me all this stuff. It's all about him buying a house. I'm not kidding. You ask Lloyd about the guy buying the house. He'll laugh because we couldn't get a word in. You know, it was all about him. And he needs a wife to say, shut up about the house. We don't say shut up in a house. We say, be quiet. That's That's more spiritual. Seriously. We need someone to say, snap out of it. In a nice way, you can just say to someone you know who's struggling, hey, you know, God wants to bless you. Look at yourself. You're better than that. When someone's really unkept and you see them, they dress nice, all of a sudden you start seeing them and they're like a hermit. They don't come out of the house. And when they do, they're really sloppily dressed. They're struggling with depression, I can tell you. Have uplifting friends and music accountability. And finally, you're not going to like this one. Besides get enough rest, get some exercise. Have an exercise plan. I ride a stationary. I, years ago, I, I rode my bike outside for many years, and I still may once in a while. But I was up in Saudi, and I was riding my bike outside, and I hit a wet spot, and I went sliding across the asphalt. And I was skinned all the way down here. And I could hardly move when I got up to preach. And our music guy, he's a nut job, you know, he's a good guy. But he said, Pastor, he's really in bad shape. He fell off his bike. And, and everybody was going on. He said it was a stationary bike. <laughs> it wasn't. But, uh, you know, be careful in your exercise. But get some exercise. Get some exercise. It's vitally important for you to exercise. Get out and walk. You wouldn't believe how much stress is relieved by walking. But go back to the beginning, one of the first things we said. It all comes down to your relationship with the Lord. Your relationship with the Lord has to be right for you to not be depressed. If, if men in the Bible struggle with it, and I struggle with it, now I'm not suicidal. All right? But we, when people you know struggle with it, realize it's a problem in our lives and our world. And when you're depressed, get some help. Call a friend, go to a counselor, go to church, come forward and pray and say, you know, I, I need, I've been just depressed, and we'll gather around and pray with you. Listen, God's still a God who answers prayer. Amen? And he's the greatest thing we have going for us. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word tonight, for all you've done for us, Lord. We are so grateful. And Lord, I know that 
some of us must struggle with depression or certainly discouragement, which is just one step above. And maybe we have some that are bipolar, extremely depressed, maybe even manic depressive. And Lord, I don't know, but they know. And I just pray that they'll seek your face and get your help from heaven and seek help from outside sources, maybe a Christian friend, accountability, a a Christian counselor, the word of God, a a friend, a neighbor, just help them to reach out for the right help. Bless now in Jesus' name, amen.